Hello ladies and gents, welcome to the next Q&A in the Full and Focus series. My name is Danny Boyer and it's a pleasure to say joining me today to talk about his time at Fulham is a man who bossed the midfield, playing a pivotal role in the Tagana promotion season and then helped us establish ourselves in the Premier League. I am of course talking about the one and only John Coddins. John, how are you mate? Thank you for joining me. Very well indeed my friend, delighted to be talking to you. Oh, good stuff, mate. So uh, I'm just going to crack straight on with the questions, if that's okay. Go for it. All right, mate. So the first one, before you, you came to Fulham, uh, how did you get the first opportunity in football? Well, my first club was Hibernian. Um I left school just before my 16th birthday. They offered me a, a two-year apprenticeship. So Ed, obviously Edinburgh was the nearest city to my hometown. Uh, so it was a great opportunity, Hibs, in the Premier League. So I was very fortunate I joined the club uh, the manager said to me before I signed and my father doesn't matter what age you are if you're good enough I'll give you an opportunity in the first team that's all I can promise you so it was music to my ears and my father's so I signed uh, just before my 16th birthday and the following pre-season I made my debut at 16 and a half against Manchester City in a pre-season friendly so Hibernian was my first club most enjoyable you, you spent six years there. What made you move up to Celtic? Was it just the fact that it's Celtic? Was it the lure of the big club? Well, um, I turned down, the club turned down quite a few offers. Chelsea, Fulham's nearest rivals, when I was 19. Everett, Middlesbrough were making offers for me. But Celtic was my, my, my boyhood team, I've got to be honest. Um, they came along, made Celtic, they made Hibs a big offer. Hibs accepted the offer, uh, and off I went along to Celtic. So it was a, it was a good move for me. Uh, at that stage of my career, I was ready to move on from Hibs. I spent six years, as you said, six happy years. But Celtic, moving up to Celtic, was a completely different ballgame. Did you have any role models in the game as you was coming through? I suppose was there any Celtic heroes that you had? Not really. I've got to be honest, when I was a young kid growing up, I never watched a lot of football. I was too busy playing out in the street. Unlike kids nowadays, they seem to be watching football non-stop. But my generation was uh, a generation of very, very little television being watched. Uh, and mostly being out in the street playing football with the boys. So I never really had somebody that I, I tried to copy or a role model. Sadly, it's something that seems to have disappeared is street football. Um, kids have got so much computers and so much television and other things to distract them. But in my day, street footballs were, I think, all the top players were made. Little brothers playing with big brothers in the street. Three-a-side, two-a-side, four-a-side, five-a-side. And that's where, I believe, I was developed as a football player from probably ages seven to 12-year-old playing with my big brother and his buddies. That's where I developed all my skills and attributes. Yeah, that's nice. So, I won't just sell it. Obviously, you play for, for Scotland as well, which must have been a, a huge honour for you. What was the highlight of, of, of playing for Scotland? Well, I think your, your debut, your, your home debut is always very special. Nothing beats playing for your country. But two two things spring out. Euro 96, qualifying for it, participating in Euro 96 in England. And obviously France 98, World Cup. Probably the biggest game was the opening game of the World Cup against Brazil. Although we got beat. It was a pretty special occasion. Every time you play for your country, it's special. But once you qualify for the big tournaments, that's the big time. That's where you want to be. And yet you was the captain, wasn't you? I was captain now and again. I wasn't regular captain. Um, 
who was the captain? Um, Gary, Mc, uh, Gary McAllister, I think, was captain sometimes. Colin Hendry. Colin Hendry, captain of the team. There was different captains all through my time. I've had 10 years I, I played for Scotland. There was different captains. Just going through that and naming all the names, I mean, that that is the difference between Scotland then and Scotland now. The, the big leaders, big characters, players in the team. And now Scotland seems to be a team full of championship players. Yep. Um, I think there's two reasons for that now. I think it's harder to get in the Premiership now, got to be honest, because it's now a world select. Maybe in my day there wasn't so many overseas players. There was overseas players, but with the money in the Premiership now, uh, they've got the pick of the world. But it's through most of the players now playing the Championship, which isn't ideal. It's still a decent league, but it's a, it's a big drop-off from the Premier League, that's for sure. It's been a long time since we've been at a major tournament, but... Fingers crossed, it happens soon. Right, um, so, so going back to, you, you was at Celtic, so Hibs and then Celtic, so that was about 12 years of your career, and then you decided to make the move across to, to Monaco, I mean, that's, that's a big jump for, for a player that's, you know, homegrown in Scotland. What made you, you move to Monaco? Well, uh, first of all, I had offers in England, um, Celtic turned them down. I came to the end of my contract. I was coming to the end of my contract and I was the first Bosman. The Bosman ruling came in and I think it was December. So that meant at the end of my contract in, in June, I was a free agent. Um, and obviously my agent contacted a few clubs in, uh, overseas and Monaco contacted us. Made us an offer to fly down for the weekend, have a look about the place and see what I thought. And anybody who's been to the south of France will tell you it's, it's quite a nice place to be. Uh, nice weather. A little change from Scotland. I was 28. I needed a new challenge on and off the pitch. And it was the most fantastic and enriching, enriching experience of my football career, I've got to be honest. I joined a great football team. Uh, won the championship, French championship the first year. Semi-final year of UEFA Cup. Second year, semi-final of the Champions League, beating Manchester United in the quarter-final. So it was, it was a test because the training was tough. To get in the team was tough with 22 international players, but it was fun. I liked being stretched, and at that stage of my career, I was pushed to the limits on and off the pitch, obviously learning a new language with my wife and my kids. It was uh, a major change, but a fantastic two years of my life. Do you think more British players should, should venture out and, and challenge themselves with moves abroad? 100%. Um, but I think to move abroad, um, you've got to really want to go there. You've got to want to work hard and learn the language if you want to be successful. And most football players, uh, obviously, they don't want to put themselves out of their comfort zone. Um, and also now in England, there's so much money in England that I don't think they're going to take a wage cut. The bottom line is if they're happy with them, they're content, um, then the, the question was why would you want to move? But as I said, I was ready for a challenge. I always wanted to learn a new language, discover a new league. Um, and I got the opportunity. So I could only recommend it to any young player or any football player that gets an opportunity to go abroad. Obviously, it's got to be the right football club, but it helps when it's a nice, a nice place to live as well. So it's got to tick all the boxes. Uh, and Monaco certainly a lot of boxes for me. But if Monaco's not for you, young men, sign for Fulham. Why not? Exactly. A wonderful little club. <laughs> so, and, and, and that's exactly what you did. Um, now, I don't know if this is true, but I seem to have it in my head that it was reported at the time Tagana was keen to bring you in 
because you could speak fluent French, and there was a bit of a language barrier because he couldn't. Well, obviously, I played under Tegan John for two years at, at Monaco, and it was it was hugely successful for him, and it was hugely successful for me. I went to Everton in between times, um, but John phoned me and said uh, they had spoke to Mr. Fired, and it was a big project. He was going to give funds to build the club. He had checked the players out. There was already a good nucleus of players, um, and I knew he was going to sign young Louis Saha. Um, so he wanted me to come and, and be the experienced player on the pitch, uh, and obviously me speaking French. And it was going to be a huge advantage to him to help him uh, and his coaches because none of them could speak hardly a word of English. So um, obviously that played a factor in it as well. I suppose it did. It was important. That I, I did help him with the, with the English side of things as well. Communication is a big thing. See, Abdes Wadu did one of these and he said Tagana banned anyone from speaking any language other than English. He said everybody had to speak English. So... Well, or was that late? I suppose that was later on because he was in the Premier yeah. League. He was he was the next year, wasn't he? Abdes Abdes wasn't. So it was a year on. So the initial stages of, of John's arriving at Fulham, then obviously I had to help him um, talking to players and trans, transferring, transmitting messages to the players because he couldn't do it in English. So I helped John then. But when all the French, there was more French players came in than John did. Say, look, I don't want you French players speaking French to each other in the corridors and the canteen. I want you to try and learn. English and mixing with English boys, which was the right thing to say and to do. But initially, Jean obviously needed help in, in the translation to get his message across to the club. Yeah, he had a lot of philosophies and theories to garner. It wasn't just the style of play, it was, you know, how a player's conditioned and, and diet, even down to what your teeth are like. When you met him in, in Monaco, did he change your mentality towards the game? coming from Scotland, or was you just naturally on the same wavelength as him? Well, I was lucky. It was a good fit for me because I, I enjoyed training. I enjoyed learning new things and trying to get as fit as possible. So, obviously, when I went to France, there was a massive difference from the, the training regime, the amount of time spent on the training pitch compared to Scotland, compared to Britain, actually. Scotland. And big with the physical coaches in France. Diet was huge. Body fat was big. And they left no stone unturned to make sure that each player was in peak physical condition because that's the starting point um, as far as the French are concerned. Can you be physically perfect? And then obviously you've got to have talent, you've got to have tactics, you've got to have systems and shapes, but first thing, can you be as fit as you possibly can be? So John was big into that, but that was France in general. Um, and when he came to Fulham, he brought his physical coach with him who was anybody who it was it for him at the time will I'm sure tell tell all about Roger Popot. Roger was the ultimate professional. Pushed every player to the limit. Worked from morning till night time. He was the best physical coach I've ever worked with. So Jean was it was obviously it was great recruitment from Jean. And John and Fulham and as his players were so lucky to have Roger. He was another level from anything that was working in Britain at that moment in time. Um, I still keep in touch with Roger, um, and if I was full of at this moment in time, I would be hiring him as well to oversee the, the young physical coaches that are there. Um, there's so much experience, so much knowledge, they should still be in the game. I was, I was actually going to ask you about Roger and, and, and Christian Damiano as well. 
did Christian play a, a big role as well? You know, were they were they a big influence on Tadana? Christian was very quiet, never said much. Um, just organised some of the sessions. Um, I would say Roger was the biggest influence in the team um, of the two of them. Sorry, um, he was given a large part of each session to do by Jean. Huge responsibility. Jean trusted him immensely. So I think Roger was was the number one. I think out of the two. It's interesting because I knew more about Damiano than I did about uh, Roger Propo. So, trust me, Roger Purple is an absolutely sensational physical coach. Oof, what a professional. <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter if you were 17 or 35 years of age, you put high demands and you treated everybody the same, uh, pushed them to their limits. What, what was your relationship with Tagana like? My first two years were excellent. The last year wasn't so good uh, because I wasn't playing. Uh, more my fault than his. Uh, obviously Monaco was brilliant uh, two years at Fulham was different class the last year it wasn't so good because I wasn't playing um, I was 34 thought I should be playing but John was he was he was probably correct it was time for young blood to come out of the team at 34 to be sliding out the door so uh, obviously I was a bit frustrated but well I still 100% respect for John um, and when I see him we talk to each other don't see him much he's quite quiet living his life in France but he was good for me. We went, uh, starting the Monaco and Fulham, we had special years together, um, winning league titles. Um, it's not often you can say that you go somewhere, your first season you win a league title. So I, I did that twice with Jean. So uh, we definitely had some chemistry and we were good for each other. It, it seems like he was quite strict with you know discipline for, for diet and stuff like that. Did he allow the players to socialise? Yeah, the boys always socialise when they wanted to socialise, but well, not when they're training the next day. If, if that's what you mean, it's not the old English style. <laughs> no, I mean, was there like you know um, bonding sessions away from training? Um, I think we had nights out now and again. I can't remember too much. It's a long time ago, but that championship it's two games a week, so you don't get a lot of time to to really switch off. But there was a, there was an excellent team spirit when you consider how many. Um, overseas players that came into the club uh, you don't have success in the pitch unless you've got a good spirit so we did have a good spirit as I say inherited a good group of boys as well uh, Cookie, Clarkie, Kit uh, young Sean Davis Barry Rufus yeah it was a, it was a good team Mick so he inherited, a, he inherited an excellent group and he added to the quality um, I think not talking about me, I mean, obviously Louis Saar was a revelation. Uh, first season, what a signing that was, unbelievable. Yeah, it was. Sensational, and then Malbronk came the second season. Yeah, well, you know, mate, I'll, I'll put you in, in that bracket as well, because I think I think every player played a different kind of role. Obviously, you was very experienced, came as the, the French-speaking player. You probably played a the role of, of bridging between the manager and the players, you know, not, not so much a translator, but yes, like, like an extra captain. Yes, that's it. I was kind of his right-hand man, uh, and I obviously I helped him when he was in need of help, and I spoke to the manager regularly. Um, but obviously, he, John did a great job, but he inherited a good bunch of boys, and he used them very well. And I'm sure all the boys will speak highly that period in their life uh, as football players uh, and as a team those were happy days 
but obviously not everybody can play, not everybody can start the game, so there's only 11 happy every week, and then you got the subs are quite unhappy because they're not playing, and you got the score players aren't happy because they're not involved. But in general, that was well, probably the most successful time in the clubs had for a long, long time, I would imagine. Obviously, we got to the Europa League final and, and an FA Cup final in in the seventies. But I think if you were speaking to fans about their most enjoyable season ever, I I would be gobsmacked if in a poll that that season didn't come out on top. It, it is the football, just just everything about it is it was breathtaking. Well, we were the Manchester City of that, of that time. It was championship football. That's how far we were. That, that, I think that's the type of football we played. High tempo, dominated possession, fit, wine machines up the top of the pitch, Tam at the back, fullbacks overlapping, Rufus one side, Stephen in the other, Marcel Clarke and Sean in the middle of the pitch. It was a lot of talent. Well, you, you got to think, I mean, even, even now if, if a team runs away with the league, how many of those players go on to be Premier League players with that club? You know, that it's like a, a complete rebuild after that. Whereas all those names you were mentioning, Barry Ells, you know, uh, Rufus, Finnan, Sean Davis, you know, Barmore, Sahar, they, they all went up with it. Lee Clark. I mean, the list goes on and on. Even Coleman would have. If, if you know, and, and although we got Van der Sar, I think Mate Taylor would have held his own. So yeah, it would have. It was such a, it was, it was, it was a team ready for the Premier League before we even got there. Well, we played Premier League style football, and we were fitter than any team in the Premier League as well. So you've got to put all that together. So Roger comes involved in that as well. We were, we were fitness levels of the elite team, Premier League team, and everybody could deal with the ball. It was a good football team. So that's what I'm talking about philosophy. So. There was a philosophy at the club there. Yeah, definitely. We play, and we're not going to change just because we're going to go and play against Manchester United. We played the same against Manchester United and Chelsea as we did the season before in the Championship against every team in the Championship. So we never changed. We never went defensive, sitting back, hoping to scrape a 1-0 win, as you see week in, week out in the Premiership just now. Horrible, boring football. A lot of the games, we went up with no fear. And nothing epitomises it more than our opening game in the Premiership. Old Crawford away. So yeah, you're you're running away from me now because I wanna I wanna focus on the the promotion first and and sort of work our way through. So so obviously you play for Celtic, you play for Monaco and Everton, all massive clubs. Fulham aren't as big, we know that. But to you, did you see it that way when you came to Fulham? When you walked through the door at Fulham, did you see them as a smaller club? You know what what was the what? contrast? Obviously, I left. Fulham was the first club I signed for that wasn't in the Premier League. Obviously, Premier League in Scotland, Premier League ever, Premier League in France. The reason I left Everton and came to Fulham, Everton were a direct football team, back to front, uh, Duncan Ferguson up front, Kevin Campbell, and I wasn't enjoying it. That wasn't the type of football I enjoyed playing. So when I got the phone call from John, he explained me about the club. Uh, I flew down, um, seen the stadium, um, but it wasn't the stadium or anything. Uh, it was a plan uh, that Jean had in the style of football he was going to play. And I knew, having worked two years with him, what he was going to want from the team. So I, I wanted another challenge, and it was a, again, it was it was a great challenge for me, but I got a good feeling when I went to the club. The people were nice. Even his first meeting I had with the, Mr. Alfie and Harrods, um, I felt he was, he was ambitious, he was motivated. I like people that are motivated, ambitious, um, want want to progress and build something, um, and that's why John took the opportunity. So 
tell you, it never took him long to sell it to me. I was ready for another challenge, um, and no greater challenge than jumping out of the championship and getting up in your first season. But I honestly believe with a group of players that he had, I did a bit of research, checked the, the, the group he was here in, and I knew the type of player he was going to sign. He wanted speed at the top of the pitch. Then I thought, yeah, this, be, this thing's a nice challenge. I've got to be honest, it was, it was a great move in my career. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Like you said, he was he inherited a good group, but do you think he was lucky that the experienced players who have been there and done it bought into his style and his philosophy? Because, you know, I can't imagine nowadays players saying, you know, in their 30s, being told you need to cut down on, on drinking this or doing this. I understand, I understand what you're saying, yeah. I think he was fortunate uh, in the group he inherited. Um, but he had a great team with him Roger his physical coach and I think the players seen the club was growing they'd been in the championship I suppose they all wanted to go to the premiership so he came here he's, he turned up having won the league with Monaco he's been Champions League semi-final Europa League semi-final so if a coach comes in with that kind of pedigree then and he's telling you you need to do this you need to do that to become a better athlete a better fitter player to last 90 minutes to be a little bit quicker then I think it'd be pretty silly not to listen um, but I understand what you're saying there are a lot of young players maybe or players that would think nah I've done this for 10 years but not everybody bought into it big time uh, which was great great for me seeing it um, and it was great news for John because he did obviously to have success he needed everybody to buy into it everybody wanted to be part of the part of the the big the football club that was growing nobody wanted to go anywhere else because it was a football club that was growing at that time so everybody wanted to stay on board um, and I think they knew pretty quick that Jean and Mr Fire had money at his disposal and if they didn't toe the line or, or give it 100% they would be moved out moved out and, and new players had moved in so there's double reason why they bought into it as well everyone was kept on their toes yeah exactly 100%. yeah we uh we win our first game obviously and then and in our second game uh, away at Birmingham, you score your first goal. At the time, Birmingham had done well the season before, so they went in into that campaign as as one of the favourites, and we blew them away. Is that the point where you realised you know we're we're going to do this, or did you know that going into the pre-season? I had a fear. Uh, feeling after probably about two weeks in the training pitch maybe one game you can usually have a feeling we've got team here the boys can all pass the ball we're getting fitter we've got speed so no but I, suppose, I remember that game um, it was I think was it on television was it live I think that game I think been... it was live yeah yeah Trevor Francis was their manager yeah I know Trevor well uh, and they had a good team but I think that was just the start of it. We we had a wonderful start. We're playing good football, scoring goals, creating lots of chances. Exciting. People were starting to talk about us very quickly, actually. Um, and obviously, everybody had, had the eye on us because obviously Jean was a big signing for Fulham, coming from Monaco to Fulham. That's why I mentioned that game because, like you said, it was on TV, and I think the league started to take notice after that game. Hundred percent. We were live on television, and, and the way we won, the, the style of our football was exciting to watch. You're right, people started talking very quickly and that's what live television does. Do you remember your other goals? I think you scored four. 
had a long time ago. Should have scored more. That's not a good figure, but I was the <laughs> You said it, not me. Yeah, yeah a player I, of your quality should definitely have scored more. I, I made a few. <laughs> yeah, you you was the playmaker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember him? No, I've got to be honest. I can't really. Well, I've, I've got them written down here. Stockport at home, we won four one. I think it was. I think it was back to back. Actually, you were prolific at one point. You scored against Birmingham, and then you scored in the following game at home to Stockport. Streaky, yeah. streaky, streaky goal scorer. <laughs> uh, you scored against Gillingham away, which is never to be sniffed at. That should be celebrated every time. Yep, I think, was that 1-0? Was that a close game, if I remember right? 2-0. I've got it written down 2-0. Right, maybe that was a late one to quench the game, I think. I think I can imagine. Uh, it was definitely a, a heroic goal, yeah. Red strip, and I had my short hair and my, my crew cut. And the last one was, we battered Derby at home 5-2. Again, another team that is always a pleasure to, to batter, for other reasons, but we won't go into that. But yeah, 5-2. So, do you remember that one? Nah, I've got to be honest, I can't remember that one. You scored so many, John. Uh, just... You're right, there was just, there was just there was so many to choose from. <laughs> Put a number. Uh, so, going on to the next question, you was one of several senior players in that squad. Did you get a task of, of mentoring anyone, or, or did you take oh. anyone under your wing? I, I'm particularly thinking Sean Davis, because... That season, young man, and towards the end of it, he, he seemed to grow as the season went on. I wouldn't say I mentored him, but obviously training next to the young boys every day, my first thing I always did in the training pitch was, was trying to lead by example and be focused. And I always speak to my teammates anyway and try and push them and encourage them. But young Sean, was a, he was a good player. You could see it um, after a week in the training pitch. He, he was aggressive. He could passed the ball, he was calm in possession and he had self-belief so they're the attributes you need to be a good football player and Sean had them but it was good because Sean obviously Sean Tegano had seen that very early as well and he liked Sean, he took to Sean so there's nothing better than when a, a manager takes you right away and sticks you in the middle of the pitch so Tegano was very good for young Sean as well and he went on to have a terrific career as well I wouldn't say I mentored them, but I certainly gave them advice when, when it was on to give them advice. The young players at that time were so lucky because the first team was just full of leaders, full of experienced pros that had, had had such good careers. There was not a Mickey Mouse player in that squad. And no, and you forget there was Karl-Heinz Friedler. He was injured most of the season, but he was there and in about the club. He was, he was a great guy as well, Karl-Heinz. I forgot, people forget about him. Um, Although he never played much, but another good signing before Jean arrived. He played the season before and under Keegan, I think. Yeah. No, I don't remember him playing in the Tagana year, but he was in the background. No, he never. He was in the background, but he was a nice guy and a good professional. Good to have about the club. But you've got so many experience. There's a real lot. You're right. Clarkie was there. Cookie. Kit. Yeah, and Mike Taylor and Goal as well. Mike was a great professional as well. Great lad. Um, so... I'll say again. John and Harry are very good group of players. I it just the whole project from start to finish, even before Tagana arrived, it just everything just fell into place. Like you said, mate Taylor, Chris Coleman, these players were there the, the division before. I mean, yeah. it just you know if you if you want a philosophy and a project, 
you know, follow that one because it just went to plan the whole way. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a special well, five, six years the club had. Recruitment's a secret and also youth development. Well, that's the one thing we have got. We've got a very good academy. Yeah. Right, got a few quick fire ones for you. Yep. So, who was the biggest joker in the film team? I wouldn't say there was one joker. There was lots of laughter in the dressing room. Everybody was liked pulling each other's legs. Cookie obviously would like to laugh. Clarky was always laughing a bit, messing a bit. I think generally it was a good, it was a good group. It was a, it was a, a group that was, a, a group that was always laughing. But when it was on your work, you what? Yeah, you had the balance spot on. Yeah, it was a good spot on. The balance was spot on. Who were the best and worst trainers? Leg, leg in the second leg. Lesvinsky wasn't the greatest of trainers. It was, <laughs> I remember going to Mottsford Park once and he was walking around in his slippers. Well, I was, I was, was, a bit of a tramp was our leg. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. But he's a good lad, I still see him. Who was the, the best player? The best player had to be Saha. Saha was a special player. He was a special player. Um had everything except maybe didn't believe how good he should, how good he was. If he had maybe a little bit more belief, like I'm the man, just give me the ball. See, so, so to me, he seemed like a very confident player. Yeah, uh, sometimes he didn't. Uh, I think he could have had more self belief. He had some tools: right foot, left foot, speed, could jump, balance. Yeah, lovely boy as well. Right, amazing, amazing signing. Two million quid. Wow. Yeah. Probably the best player to ever play in that league, I would say. Yeah, I would agree. Hard to, yeah, probably. Yeah. Who were your closest friends? Um, can't say one, I've got to be honest. I can't, I got on well with everybody. I never, I never, I wouldn't say I had one person I hit about with all the time. I got on well with all of them. It was a very good bunch. The French boys were good. Uh, all the English boys, the Welsh boys. It was a good mix. It was a full... Great Britain group, the British group, the Welsh, English, the London Irishman friend. He was a good player as well, Steve Finn. Yeah. What a footballer he was. Yeah, top class. Who was the the biggest moaner? Barry Hales loved a moan. (laughs) Barry loved a little Mahomet Barry. What about, just in general? No, I just don't laugh. Yeah, 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 I can can imagine. Who were the the biggest characters in, in the dressing room? Well, Cookie's a big character, even though he's unfortunately got that terrible injury uh, early doors, but Cookie's a big character. Uh, he's a leader. Clarky's a character. Chirpy, Geordie man. Uh, Rufus liked, a, liked a, a moan as well, I forgot. Rufus could moan as well. He's a good boy. Finn was quiet. It was quiet boys, it was Chirpy boys, but leaders, Cookie was a leader. Clarky's a leader. So who, who sort of took over when Cookie broke his leg at the car crash. Like, did, did anyone step up and say, right, I'm going to have to be, be the, the voice now? I've got to be honest, on the pitch, it was, it was a team of leaders. It wasn't just uh, one of these. The whole team knew the role. We could dig in when we had to. What was your favourite match? Favourite match? Um, Blackburn away was a special match. I see we got a player sent off. We won the game up there. They were our big rivals. Yeah. They had a lot of good players with Dean Duff. 
Uh, that 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 game has to come up if you talk to someone from your your um, promotion. It has to. Just the, the, the whole build up. I mean, that, I was going to ask you actually. Obviously, you was very experienced at the time. Did that help you to remain calm in the build up with him? You know, talking his nonsense, soonest saying you know saying uh, they were the better team and all that rubbish. Or did it really like roll you up and and, and get you going? Before? I'll be honest, I was uh, at that stage where I was so confident in, in the team we had, the players I was playing with, that I was chilled going into every match, motivated, but, but relaxed, knowing that we were let our feet do the talking. And I think that's what we did from start, start of the season to the end of the season. We let our feet do the talking, and they certainly did. But they were a rival, they were a good team as well. They went up with us, didn't they? They went up the same year. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, that was the whole the whole thing about it. It was, I think both teams ran away with it, to be fair. But yeah. it was just the, the arrogance of him to say they were better when they quite clearly weren't. And and to go down to 10 men, be 1-0 down, and to come back and, 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 and beat them. It's, I mean, it, these iconic moments have to have an injury time winner. Just for the drama. It just adds to it. It just, it had everything. Yeah, from from your experience knowing Tagana, for him to show that emotion running down the touchline, did 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 he do that often, or or was that? No, 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 no. He was a, he was a man who didn't really show his emotions. He kept things inside. That's that's John. That's not John Starley to let it all out. But I think that told you how how important and how much it meant to him. Yeah. And to win that game, and that was us pushing on head towards the Premiership. Well, I think that was it because we got promoted um, the following game. Yeah. So I, I think I think we we knew anyway, but I think we knew that that we was going up as champions, beating them that yeah. day. Yeah, and that's what we wanted from the start of the season. That was a target to, to to win the league. Well, nobody ever remembers who comes second. It's always the play the playoff winner and and the title winner. It's never the second black team. Yep, very true indeed. What was your relationship like with Al Fayed? Um, very good. Um, the first time I met him in Harrods to the chat, it was it was very friendly. He told me his first house he bought was in Scotland, his castle. He was very proud. He showed me his pictures of his place in Scotland, the picture of him in his kilt. Um, <laughs> in a kilt. Ah, well, I forget that in his office at Harrods. <laughs> Uh, if Fulham ever get a museum, they should um, bid and, and, and buy that picture. That's true, it's very true. No, it was good to me, um, and it was, it was very supportive of his managers, so I've got to be honest. Uh, and he took Fulham to where he said he would take them up to the Premiership, so he'll be remembered in the history books, that's for sure. He, he's such a legend. Yeah, it was, it was always light-hearted, you know. He was always in the dressing room wishing us good luck before games. So there's not many chairmen do that. No, no, I, I loved but, him. Uh, it meant a lot to him. People sometimes these owners buy clubs and you and you think, do they really care? They just bought it as a business. You hardly ever see them. But one thing about Al Fayed, um, from the first minute I met him, he was passionate about for them. Every time he came out the dressing, he was always at the games on the pitch. I liked that. That it was what was like a togetherness. He's, he, and you and you were always aware he was there. He made it an exciting football club that people talked about, and he was there every week. Yeah. Uh, and he took it to the big time. 
So he was very good for the football club. There's no doubt about that. And when when we got to the big time, obviously I was there, Old Trafford. Very unlucky to lose. Yeah, we played very well. Very well. I mean, probably played better that day than we did the day we beat them, which was a couple of years later. I'm not sure if you was still there. Yeah, I, I think I might have just been leaving that in the last season, maybe. Yeah, probably... yeah, we beat him 3-1. And we probably played better the year we, we lost to him. And it just... Yeah, we played very well. I mean, that, what, it, was, it was kind of a, the dream first opening fixture. Manchester United. Oh, you, you, you just can't write it, can you? Yeah, so that was when the, when the fixtures came out, everybody was so excited. And we knew how we'd go there and play. We'd go there and play the full of way. Which has got us going to try and put on a show and try and beat these boys. We're not going to sit back and uh, just let them control and dominate the game. We're going to give as good as we got. And, and we surprised a lot of people. Huh? We gave them the fight, early goal, Louis. Was it 3 2 it finished? Yeah, 3 2. I think Louis puts 1 0 up straight away. Beckham scored a free kick. Yeah. And then we second half, we took the lead again. And then. They scored like two goals in five minutes. Van Nistelrooy sort of come out of nowhere. It was yeah. disappointing, but you know, I, I, I took great, oh. great confidence away from that, knowing that if we could do that against them, then we're going to be fine. And, and it proved we was, we was, we was comfortable. And that was a feeling about the club. I've got to be honest. It was like we're moving up the championship to be petrified of losing every week and trying to scrape away for the relegation. Let's go and enjoy it, embrace it. And we did. I think all the boys enjoyed it. It was, it was an adventure. Good fun. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> talking about adventures, you played in both the first game against FC Hacker and then in, in the final game against Bologna in the Intertoto Cup. How does that um, tournament rank amongst your um, you know your biggest achievements? Well, I'm going to be honest. Uh, Intertoto was not a tournament I played in much of no, you but that's what I'm saying. You played in the first game. You, I think you played in in the two home games at, at Craven Cottage, right? And then I think you played in two more. You definitely played in the, in the last game, in the final. I can't remember. I've got to be honest. I can't remember. It's the only time we've ever won something. You got to remember that. Well, in Toto, we won it. We won in Toto. You're joking, isn't ya? Against Bologna. Yeah. Was I on the bench? I don't think I got on. Did I get yeah, on? Yeah, you got on. You got on according to um, Wikipedia. Did I get on? I can't remember <laughs> if I got on. I honestly thought I was on the bench. Yeah, Inamoto scored a hat-trick. Inamoto? Oh. There's a name, eh? There's another name I forgot. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad it was memorable for you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I got on, honestly. Should, should I tell you why you don't remember the Intertoto Cup? Because we won it at Loftus Road. And it doesn't compare to playing at Craven Cottage. I never played that. I never played that. You didn't play at Loftus Road? I never played it at Loftus Road. I don't think I didn't play that Intertoto. Yeah, 100%. You did. Someone called Collins played and it wasn't Wayne Collins. So it must have been you. I started the game. Alright, okay. Well, you might have been on the bench and come on. But you definitely... Definitely got an appearance out of it. Hey guys, Blackie, what are we? Hey guys, Blackie, what are we? Where was we? Oh, we was at the uh, Intertoto Cup, weren't we? Yeah, 
to the end of your career yeah you wasn't playing much at that that point you started doing your badges was there ever an opportunity or a talk of staying at Fulham you know Tagana taking you under his wing as a coach or anything like that yeah well uh, Tagana mentioned it to me would it be something int- uh, that would interest me uh, and I said at the end of my career I was going to retire uh, and spend time with the family rather than go straight back into straight into coaching so my plan was always to go back to the south of France to live, do my full badges up to my pro license. And that's what I did. So the offer was there from John, but I had been a pro for a long time. And I felt it was time to have a break from the game, spend time with the family, do my badges, and then see what happens after that. That's what I did. And then the next time, <laughs> the next time you return to Fulham, um, I think Tagana might have gone by then. Don't know if Chris Carlman was in charge. But anyway, I know for certain someone was walking through the door and that was Colin's John. That has got to be the weirdest coincidence ever. You're not going to believe this. I knew nothing about Colin's John. I'd never heard of Colin's John. I was coming to the game just to attend it and somebody says to me, would you mind doing us a favour? We've signed Colin's John. Would you like to go on the pitch with him? And I'm like, what? Colin's John? <laughs> And uh, sure enough, out I went on the pitch. And some people actually thought I was his agency, and some people actually thought, oh, that was John Collins brought him, him in the club. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I, I remember, that's why I've asked, asked you, I remember you being on the pitch introducing him. Like, you, you come on to say hello together, and it was, it was so weird. Only at Fulham. What a coincidence. Beggar's belief. Yeah, what, what a weird... Weird story. I had to mention it. Oh, you've got to mention it because that was freaky. <laughs> <laughs> just, to, just to confirm for people listening, you aren't related to Colin's John. I'm definitely not related at all. <laughs> tried to neck my name. He just tried to neck my name. He was Dutch, wasn't he? Dutchman. Yeah, yeah. They love the Scottish, the Dutch. No, the Dutch. No, the Dutch, they know their football. Good football and nation. Alright, so. You had a, a couple of spells in management. Uh, it must have been a dream to to go back to Hibs as your as your first role as, as a manager. Yeah, it was fun. Um, I had a few offers before that, but to go back into the game in my hometown, my home club, where where it all started as a player, it was a it was a nice offer. So I came back to Scotland. Uh, it was a busy fourteen months, special fourteen months I spent there. Um, unfortunately, the, the president, the chairman, didn't have the same ambition as I had. Didn't have the same love of football that I had. Um, so we won the league cup, first trophy in 16 years, playing total football. Now um, you remember that one? I remember that one. <laughs> five five one something. Um, got to the semi final Scottish Cup, finished the top half of the league, and I sold half a team at the end of the season. Quite nine and a half millions worth of players. So for nine and a half million to Hibs with the budget they had, that was equivalent to probably about 150 million for a team like Fulham. So it was massive business selling all the players because we were playing good football and obviously some of them were good, very good players. So never mind, we still beat Celtic even though we sold them to Scott Brown. 
As well as um, managing Hibs, you um, you was director of football at Livingston. Yep. How did that go? Very well. No, really good. Um, it was just a fun job for me just to see how I, I would enjoy the director of football role. Um, it was just a learning process and running the whole football, hiring managers, coaches and scouts, developing the youth coaches. So it was a real hands-on role. Really enjoyed it. Uh, took the club forward. Developed a good attacking football team, um, got a lot of admirers in the country, um, manager ended up moving on, uh, did a good job, so he got a better offer elsewhere, brought in another manager, he did well, so I uh, took the club up to fourth, just off the promotions, and um, I only took the director of football role because I, the, the deal would be I would I would decide who the head coach would be, but unfortunately they changed their mind after 14 months, they wanted to decide who the head coach was going to be so I think it's fine it's your football club I'm off thank you very much for the for the year but it was enjoyable uh, I really enjoyed the role and then you become assistant manager at Celtic well I would normally go on as assistant manager it's not it's not the role I would have I wanted but to, uh, difficult for me to turn down my club Celtic two years um, massive club it was exciting won the league obviously a couple of years won the who was you working under uh, it was a Norwegian called Ronnie Delia came in and I was working with Scotland under 19s, the national youth team at the time. Um, the chief exec phoned me, Ronnie, and wanted to meet me. And they offered me the role, assistant manager, so I thought, yeah, go on in, why not? I, I enjoyed it, but it's not my preferred role. No, I, c- I can hear it um, when you're talking. You're, you're, you're your own man. So I, I can see that you want to do it your way. Well, 100%. Uh, I'm in a fortunate position, I can say that, but directly uh, football is a role that interests me, running the football club, developing a philosophy, or a head coach. So, uh, well, you, you, you put in your CV to Fulham? Well, they know I'm available. If they want some, some quality, they can give me a call. Well, because, I, I mean, going through your, your um, CV, you know, you went back to Hibs, you went back to Celtic, you know, I just wondered if you fancied making it a hat-trick. Yep. Why not? I've, uh, again, I've went back and uh, had success as a manager, both one thing at Celtic, one thing at uh, Hibs. Um, so who knows what the future holds. Well, there's only one more question. Uh, pie or pasty? Pie. Steak pie. Steak pie? Steak pie, but it's going to be a lot of, stuff, a lot of gravy in it. I don't like the dry one. I like one gravy dripping all over the place. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. You can have loads of them now you're retired. Yeah, still, I'll meet them now and again, eh? Still, still trying, keep the old fitness regime up. But as you get older, as you get older, it gets harder, but still, still trying. Well, that, that's the end of it. I mean... Right, absolute pleasure. Um, yeah, well, I can't thank you enough. So, I mean, it's been an honour to speak to you, it really has. Well, uh, many happy memories. Um, you've got them the same as my ones. Sounds like you, you remember them just as much as me. Uh, Intertoto you and more than me, so I apologise on that one. <laughs> <laughs> lots of great performances and lots of great goals and players so uh, those memories will be there forever take them to the grave they never go away those special memories no I mean, when you, and you'll never be forgotten by by the fans just just want to finish by thank you for everything you did for us because it was it was for me the the best season ever well thank you it was a, a special special season for me as well trust me um, Winning that championship, the way we played, um, 
it was it'll always be a memory, a great memory for me, a great achievement. Um, so hopefully the next generation of Fulham supporters, the little ones that are coming to the games, get to see similar scenario in the years years to come. Fingers crossed. That's what we're all after. Total football. We did young players, a few experienced in there, playing entertaining football, attacking football on the front foot. The Fulham way. The Fulham way, exactly. Absolutely. Right. Been a pleasure, mate. It really has. Daniel, take care. I might see you down again pretty soon, OK? I hope so, yeah. All right, speak to you soon. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Bye. John Collins there talking about his time at Fulham. I'd like to thank John for taking the time to speak to me and I wish him all the best with the rest of his career. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for updates when the latest Q&As will be released. There's plenty more to come and you can also subscribe via iTunes or any other podcast app. Until then, my name's Danny Boyer. Really hope you enjoyed this one and thank you as always.